All right. So in this episode of 51 Vets, we sit down with Jeff Cadlick, who is the managing partner at Evolution Capital. And, you know, 51 Vets is really about content community for transitioning veterans, um, regardless of where you are at in your transition. Um, so, Mark, what's up? Good to see you. Um, so, you know, Jeff, would you mind kind of providing a little bit of context here into your background from a high level and kind of working through some of the big transitions you have had in your life. And then we'll just go down the rabbit hole from there. Wow. That's uh, you've, you've given me a big canvas, Jordan, and uh, God only knows where this can go. So keep me focused, you know, kind of bump me back into uh, a concrete sequential uh, discussion um, I was interested in business uh, as long as I can remember, um, and 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 frankly, 99% of what I was looking at probably didn't make any sense to me. But I, I always found it, you know, really really exciting. Probably not unlike how you guys felt when you looked at you know military you know type things, and um, uh, I I didn't even really realize that uh, there was a position in the world uh, where you could get a, a view on a lot of different businesses and business models. And that really came from my time at LaSalle National Bank, which is where I started my career. It was kind of a metro Chicago uh, uh, commercial bank. And it was a great mentoring environment. One of my mentors, Mark Pressler here is uh, on, on, on the line and uh, we've remained in touch and, and he was instrumental in the early part of my career and helping me understand you know, businesses and business models and really understanding things. And I was really just uh, a sponge, just anything and everything that I can get my hands on uh, you know, I did fairly early on in my time at LaSalle, I got some exposure into private equity and I didn't really understand what it was, to be honest with you. But the person that walked into the room just had absolute command of all the facts and figures. Uh, Mark Presser would remember this guy, Andy Code, uh, who founded, uh, was one of the co-founders of Code Hennessy and Simmons, which doesn't exist anymore, but was very, very successful. Uh, and I just said, who is that guy and what is he doing and, and how do I get to do what, what he does? How do I look and act like that? Um, Jeff, I do have a, a minor story about CHS here. So they came to New York for a dinner. They invited us, the investment bank, out to dinner. And me, as the uh, associate at dinner, is like, I want to get these Amex points. So I went to the, <laughs> I went to the waiter. I was like, hey, make sure this is on my Amex because I want the points. And then my boss, the next day, he's like, who paid for this? And like, they invited us out to dinner. <laughs> yeah. uh, the mistake. Yeah of the associate trying to get the Amex points in banking. As you were saying, back to you, Jeff. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, back in the early 90s, like 94, I mean, you know, the, the world was their oyster. I mean, there were so many companies, so many targets, and it was just kind of, there weren't that many uh, private equity funds, and they could kind of do what they needed to do. And I don't want to say effortlessly, but they had a well-oiled machine and there was nobody else that they were competing with, you know, kind of fast forward, you know, another 10 years, uh, you know, I was working not 10 years, five years, I was working at Prudential Capital Group and it really helped me understand the whole right side of the balance sheet. It was really about uh, investment grade private placements. Uh, bank loans, junk bonds, but I was also doing private equity co-invest, which meant that I was following along with what the private equity professionals were doing, really just kind of learning about how they operate and what they do and, and so on and so forth. And I think that's an important theme, which I'll talk about, you know, going forward. Uh, and then in 2000, uh, there was a private equity fund that I had a relationship with and had done deals with that was uh, looking for a young transaction partner uh, to come in and, and, and help. And they had raised their fourth fund and, and 
uh, I left Prudential to work really with this group. And while I was there, um, I started seeing a lot of smaller businesses that I felt had done enough that they deserved some attention. Uh, but as it was then, it remains today that a lot of these small businesses really fly under the radar of the professional investment community. And uh, it was just fascinating to me that I felt like these companies had done enough and deserved people's support, but just didn't have access to capital. And things were changing at the fund that I had joined. And um, I, I had already started this, and I don't know why I thought I could do this, by the way, it was just, I mean, you guys, um, I'll, I'll talk about uh, why I think you guys would be great in the private equity industry at some point. But um, at that time, I, I just thought I could do this. I don't know why I thought I look back on it now and I feel like that was totally insane. What you I started this in 2005, Jeff? Yeah, this is September of 05. I literally just like walked out of my job and uh, rented some space from a former uh, customer and, and started thinking I was a private equity guy. And what was interesting, <laughs> I knew about private equity, but I didn't know anything about, about uh, be running a small business. I mean, I really had no, I didn't know about QuickBooks. I didn't know you had to pay taxes. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. And on a scale of one to 10, how qualified were you to do your job? Um, so on the private equity side, it's probably a five, which is where I thought my core competency was. <laughs> and on running the small business side, I was a, a, a 0.5. You can go uh, negative. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, and, and it, to make it even, to put it uh, in even bigger exclamation point on how stupid I was, I had just had my fourth child uh, at the time, like five months before, and, uh, you know, and I literally had zero income and uh, I, I don't even know what I was thinking. I had some savings and fortunately my wife is entrepreneurial and she was able to make some money selling paintings online uh, to save my tail. Uh, but fortunately um, I had some older guys that didn't have energy, but they had experience and they had money where they could just kind of point me in the right direction and I would do what they uh, asked me to do. And, and that was really the genesis of Evolution Capital Partners, which was they, these older guys really, for whatever reason, kind of took an interest in me, were curious about what I was doing. I think they liked the strategy and they advised me and I was smart enough to keep my mouth shut and my ears open and just do what they told me to do and listened and learned and executed and uh, got my first deal done um, uh, 13 months after I got started. Um, I literally could have disappeared for a month and my phone, I would have missed a phone call. I mean, Can it we was- talk about it, that for the first deal, for example, like, Where'd you get the money? About how big was it? Was it from these two backers? Because I think this is really important to paint the picture that a lot of founders have, which is a lot of them just don't have anything. They might see where you are 15 years later, like, oh, of course it was sunshine and rainbows on your first deal. You know, it's, it's funny you say that, Jordan, because or asked to focus in on that, because the part of when I read like uh, shoe dog, which is the history of Nike. The part I'm most interested in is when they started moving. You know, I don't care when they were successful. I want to know when it flipped to, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is actually happening. And um, so my philosophy at the time, and again, I, I think it just made it up at the time. It was like, I wanted to invest in something that I knew couldn't fail. It didn't have to be something that was going to be the next Microsoft. I just had to know that if I invested in it, I could have a paycheck and, and keep the game going, right? You're not going to find uh, your, your uh, diamond in the rough. You're not going to find the perfect deal in a year uh, unless you're incredibly lucky. Uh, 
so it was really about finding something that was going to keep me in the game. Sure. It was really what I realized that I was looking for. And so this business that I bought was, they, they weren't even a packaging business. They make the, made a lot of the inserts that go inside packaging to make sure that whatever is in the box doesn't break. And uh, it's, it's very cyclical, but at the time in 2006, things were going great. And uh, I uh, found the deal because I have always done a really good job of networking, which I'll talk about later uh, around just hustling. And, and that's such an important part of why I've been successful over my, my life. And, and I hustled and I found these guys that knew what I was trying to do. I had stayed in touch with them for a long time. And they uh, felt that because of our relationship, I could do a pretty good job at it, at least not screw it up, maybe not triple it in size, but I wasn't going to like send it in a bankruptcy immediately. And so um, they, they sold me this business, provided a lot of the financing, and I was pretty confident that the company wasn't going to fail. And all of a sudden I had income, which I hadn't had. Uh, up, you know, up to that point, I went for 13 or 14 months without income, getting this thing started. And it was really at that time, Jeff, look, that? four kids, no income, your wife is helping to support you lost, you left your cushiony job. And now you're a five out of 10 on the private equity skill set and a 0.5 out of 10 on the how to actually run a business skill set. So eminently qualified to be doing what you're doing. But nevertheless, this is how the first chapter went. Yeah, Jordan, I'm not recommending that you guys do it this way. I'm just telling you how it unfolded. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I look back on it now. I mean, it's weird. It's like you get comfortable and you're like, and it's a really interesting element of entrepreneurship to me. It's like you, you get to a point where you're uncomfortable enough of what you're doing that you're willing to take an incredible chance. And I don't think, I mean, I know you guys know what I'm talking about, given you know, your background and what you've done and, and the magnitude of the decisions that you're making, trust me, are well beyond uh, uh, what exponentially beyond the decisions that I was making. I was talking about money. You guys were talking about lives. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was concerned enough about where I was and what I was doing that I really felt, and anybody that starts a business, regardless of whether it's in private equity or anything else, you're, you're kind of a bit of a maverick. You just, you don't want anybody else to tell you what you're doing. And I mean, you're willing to listen and you're willing to change, but I, you don't, I don't want anybody to control me. I mean, I'm almost unemployable at this point in my life because I just, I, I feel like I, I, I will figure it out. And uh, even back then with much less experience, I really felt like I would eventually figure it out because I could hustle and I could, and, and to, to stay, take a step even further back, my dad was in uh, the corporate world. I moved every 18 months growing up. Maybe some of you guys are military brats. I was a corporate brat, but you could drop me in the middle of anywhere and I would make a friend quickly. And I think that's an important skill set that you can I tell my kids to be able to do the same thing as the art of small talk. It's just be able to just constantly ask questions, be curious, learn, and, and, and continue to move down this path to figure out eventually where your advantage is and, and what you think you can do, you know, well. Uh, and so getting back to, you know, really the beginning of evolution, I was a total um, emotional wreck at this time because of the mess that I had put myself in. And my kids were like, you got this right, dad. And like, oh, yeah, totally. And of course, I didn't know uh, what I was doing. But getting that first deal done, it's, it's so emboldening because you're not, it's not that you have a fund or that you're raising a fund, you have a fund. And then it's like, okay, I have a fund and now I have my first deal. And so it's so incremental in how you talk to people and how you message 
where you are in the progression. Like now I tell people we're on our fourth fund, we've done 20 deals and blah, 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 blah. The credibility factor is, is very, very quick. But when you're getting started, it's, it's, you're, you're hanging on to any thread of credibility and, and conveying that out to people so that they'll want to work with you and they'll, you'll, they'll want to do business. And so I went from, I'm raising a fund to I have a fund, to I'm looking for my first business, to I have my first business. And then I've got my second business. And it just, it's, it literally is one day at a time, because if you allow all of what you think you want to do uh, come crashing down on you, you know, it, it, you know, if you're looking way out into the future and you bring it into today, you will overwhelm yourself and you'll have a panic attack. You literally have to you know, take every initiative and break it down into digestible parts and achieve every day, every hour. Uh, and if you do that, you'll get to where you're going. Um, and you have to stay really mentally strong and mentally tough which you guys know better than I how to do. Uh, but that's really what you have to do, uh, you know, when you're getting started and, and you're an entrepreneur. And so continuing to track along, you know, the early phases of, of evolution, you know, you're always trying to make yourself bigger than what you are, right? Because you want people to come to you. You want people to think that you can get them to, to the next stage as their partner and so on and so forth. So you're investing in marketing and, and you're putting more things around you that embellish, you know, to a certain credible degree about, you know, what you're doing. Um, but you're kind of figuring it out every day. And, and, um, and so we invested in five deals and the first fund and we made a ton of mistakes. I mean, a ton of mistakes. My daughter thinks I'm a genius because I told her that uh, uh, I was, I've made all the mistakes that you need to make. And therefore I have just a tremendous amount of experience. Um, and, and, and to a degree that, that is, is very right. Uh, fund one ended up being extremely successful, not, necessarily because of me, but because we invested in a, uh, a company where the management team was very experienced. And I was literally kind of along for the ride. I mean, I was helping out, but these guys had run a company with 400 employees. And when we bought this small business, there was 40. And they knew where they were going. And so they knew how to get there. It's different than if you have never been there before and you're trying to figure it out along the way, right? Because when you're trying to figure it out along the way, you, you go in a direction and you realize you made a mistake and then you come back and you go again and you come back and you go again. If you have somebody that has done it before and they have experience, you can move ahead with um, more authority and energy because you have somebody explaining to you kind of where you need to go. And uh, that's what we had. And so Fun One unbelievably ended up being ranked number one in the country uh, for growth uh, private equity funds by this group called PitchBook, which uh, is become, you know, more of an important private equity um, uh, uh, kind of research support group, if you will. And the problem that that created really unfolded in fund two, which we thought we were better than we really were. And we rolled into a fund two with this whole idea that um, if we focus nationally on deals, not just in Ohio or in the Great Lakes area, that if we had better deal flow, we would make better buying decisions. And when we made better buy decisions, you know, we would uh, have better results. And that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, we bought companies in Seattle and Las Vegas and Los Angeles and San Diego uh, and Dallas and that required a tremendous amount of travel. 
you couldn't be everywhere where you needed to be. These companies weren't in trouble, but they needed professionalization and time is your enemy in, in private equity. And I found myself flying somewhere in the United States every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of every week of, uh, of every year. And it's extremely painful uh, from a personal perspective, but you can't, uh, you can't be effective when there's no time to reflect. You can't, if you're constantly on the edge and you can't like sit back and sit around and communicate with your team and say, this is what I learned. This is what I think. And I think this is the path forward. You're trying to do that by yourself on a plane to the next meeting where there's another urgent situation. And you, you're just not going to get the right result in my mind uh, from, from experience. I know this, unless you have time to stop and reflect and, and, um, and what I'll talk about in a second about anchoring into a methodology that you know uh, makes makes sense. Yes. So find a little bit more. So I think that? it's a really important concept. You know, whether you're starting a business or whatever, like let's say you're in job mode and you're sending out a thousand resumes a day kind of mentality. Um, do you now have blocked time during your day and or week that this is Jeff time. Don't like guys, don't talk to me. I'm turning off everything to think or like, how have you created that in your life? You know, when you're on the edge constantly um, and it, it, it's almost can apply to anything in your, your life. Um, you don't pick your head up because you're constantly deflecting, constantly addressing, constantly putting out fires that you can't ever step back. And stepping back and self-reflecting on what are you good at? What are you not good at? What is the perspective of the other side coming back at you? Um, if you don't do that, you're not going to do very well. And that was really, in my mind, kind of the, the, the issue that really crushed uh, you know, fund too. It turned out to be, uh, it's turning out to be an okay fund, but not nearly the potential that it could have had, had I stepped back and, and been a little bit more strategic in how I communicated and strategic and the kind of advice that I provide is strategic, you know, in a lot of different ways. Um, and so um, today, Absolutely. I've not only do I have a board of advisors that I really keep in continuous touch with, I really carve out, I really carve out sections of my week every week where I can sit back and just think and like in total silence. I mean, literally you just have to, and I just, I, I grab a page like this and I literally just start making lists. And, 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 and then from that, you know, I am making uh, my, my priorities from a leadership perspective in business, not necessarily in what you guys have done. The way, the best way I can explain it is I, depending on how fast you're going or how fast you're growing, I try to stay six months ahead of everybody else. Yeah, that's where my mind is. I mean, I can step back and think tactical today. But where my mind is, is six months from now, where I'm leading people to this point that I think is the right place that we need to go. As the leader of evolution, I need people to not only understand where I want to go, but they're comforted by the fact that I have thought this thing out. I mean, what would be really uncomfortable uh, you know, from a leadership perspective is if they ask me a question, I say, yeah, I've never thought about that before. Right. I, I have to have some response that says, Hey, I got you guys. I understand where we're going. You're in my plan. And I've thought about it because I'm six months or a year ahead of where you guys are at. And um, so I think you need to do that for yourself because in a way it slows things down mentally, but it also provides comfort with your team that they know that you're thinking about 
uh, where we're going and how they fit into that. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yeah. That's a really important thing because look, guys, you guys are different. You guys are unique. You guys have done stuff that I can't even imagine. And um, that element of, of leadership, I think is, is really, really important. And I think you guys are, from your training and what you guys have done, you're perfectly suited uh, way better than I was when I talked about the five and the point five uh, uh, from uh, to, to, under, to undertake this that, than, than I was because of the training that you guys have had so far. So if we could uh, do a quick, quick time check. So it's 540 and I mean, we could literally spend another hour just on your lessons, but what yeah. I would like to do is talk with Mike and Matt to give them specific feedback on their background, where they are at, what that next step should be, and kind of stress test that next step to see if that is what it should be, um, kind of given your experience. Um, and also, are, are you, do you have a hard stop at six or how's your- No, schedule? I'm here for you guys. I'm, I'm, I will stay on this as long as that you guys need. I appreciate your guys' service. And uh, if I can be helpful beyond this phone call, uh, I, I will do whatever I can to help you guys out, you know, transition into, um, you know, the, the private sector. Uh, so whatever you want to do, Jordan, uh, is, is fine by me. I took some notes as Mike and Chris and James and Matt were talking. Uh, so uh, let's just focus on Mike. Um, Mike, can you kind of rehash your situation now on like what we were originally saying is Florida, private equity, BD, we're really successful in getting those lined up. But maybe if, if you're comfortable with that, giving an update of where you're at and getting some feedback from Jeff on kind of next steps. Um, you know, Mike, over to you and kind of yeah. how you want. Yeah, um, I, I do have to say, though, I think I, I married wrong. Um, having an artist or somebody that's able to sell paintings online to be able to float the boat um, for a year sounds pretty good. So I might go shopping for a new girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, well, you, yeah. you're with somebody that has some taste in art based on your background. <laughs> I got this from, uh, I, I think it was an auction, a bank foreclosed, and I got the art from it. Yes, that was my previous life. But uh, I, I literally just retired uh, last week. I, I filed the rest of my paperwork, and I'm technically on leave. 20-year career as a SEAL team, uh, retired as a MASH chief. And then I really, really got interested in kind of the private equity role because of how connected it is to all the different businesses, the entrepreneurs. It, it seemed like it was the only place – that was comparable to what I did in the SEAL teams where it connected a bunch of talented individuals in one place and gave me exposure to all that and really tested me to it's that in the private sector. Um, and with that said, so one of the major questions that I have for you is your start. You had two um, investors. How did, how did you get them to believe in you? Did, did they believe in you or did they believe in kind of your plan, your strategy, your investment thesis? Because you guys do have a fairly unique investment thesis compared to everything that I've seen so far in my job search. But like to me, they must have been they, they must have saw quality in you that they knew that you were going to drive it to the very end and you were not going to let it fail. But like, how did that go? Mike, that's a great question. Uh, and as you were asking, I'm, I'm trying to think back on it. And the most important thing in any relationship is trust. Uh, there's a uh, Todd Lencioni is uh, kind of a well-known entrepreneurial guru, which uh, I would recommend you do some, some reading. He has this thing called the trust pyramid. And the foundation of that pyramid is, is, is trust. And it's if uh, I think they trusted me that I was going to tell them the truth. I think they trusted me that I was going to uh, go at everything with a lot of energy. And, and almost most importantly, they trusted me that I was going to come back to them when I was at a point of decision where I would ask for their feedback. Um, 
I, I think that that is a really important part that they, they knew that I wasn't going to go down like some crazy path without getting their, their input. Um, and, and so when you have a lot of these older guys, Mike, um, they're tired. I mean, not, not in a bad way. They're just, you know, they've, they've got all the toys, they've got all the money, you know, they're in Florida, you know, or, or Turks and Caicos in, in my case, or, or Santa Fe, New Mexico. And another one of my cases, they just, they, they get a charge. Uh, if you lost all the money, they don't care. I mean, almost they, they, they get a charge out of being in the game without having to put in the energy. And if they know that you are going to run out all the ground balls, you're smart enough to ask the right questions and that you're going to come back to them before you commit to one decision or the other, that's really, really important. And so they can kind of stay in the game, keep the toe in the water, in the sun, largely doing what they want to do, but have the intellectual stimulation, knowing that Mike is out running out all the ground balls. That is really important. There's a lot of people out there with a lot of money. You don't want to lose their money. But what's at that point, they have so much money. What's more important to them is the intellectual stimulation that they're still in the game. They've got other stuff going on, right? And so if you can convince somebody that you're doing those things well, um, you know, I think that, that that's important. And by the way, I know private equity funds in Florida that I can make introductions to. Uh, and, and so as a follow-up, I can work through Jordan to kind of make some, some connections for you. And actually Mike, specifically, like where, where are you at, if you're comfortable sharing, um, where are you at just in the interviews and do you, what do you think that in, in having done all these interviews, where do you think that you're strong? Where do you think maybe some of the pushback has been? Um, and how do we kind of bridge that gap? And, so and so I've, I've gotten feedback from the interviews and I've, I've been doing really well. I'm able to communicate with people. I'm pretty comfortable with it and having spent some time in the private equity uh, world working for an independent sponsor. I got a lot of exposure um, to the nuances. So I'm able to at least speak versus somebody that's coming in kind of cold. The, the problem I'm getting is one, it's just as, as you guys know, it's, it's as per opening, right? These are lean teams, small teams. Um, and when an opening does um, occur, they normally fill in house and lateral movements. And the other thing is my age and uh, my experience, right? I'm a 20-year I'm veteran. So most of the people that are going to come in as an associate or a, a VP level are more junior they're also, when they interview somebody like me, they're possibly looking for somebody who's more senior, but yet with more um, you know, time in the actual industry that's able to understand uh, looking at a, like a gross margin uh, you know, a little bit differently in a specific industry and having kind of the, uh, the reps with working on sims. And, and that goes to whereas I was going to ask you guys, it's so you, you had a connective tissue with your investors early on based off of what you did in the past. For somebody like me and somebody, most of the people that are on this panel who are coming in completely cold, our network is mainly within the government space and the military. We don't necessarily have um, the connected tissues to the high net worth individuals that would, that would know us. We don't have those relationships and establishing those relationships pretty quickly um, is, is a daunting task um, with it. The other thing is being somebody like uh, my, myself with the, my background, my age, um, am I targeting and I'm, am I pursuing the right space? Because it's we're limited on our basis of knowledge, and the only way we're going to learn and develop that base of knowledge is to be exposed and to be part of it. But is there a better fit for our characteristics that we could bring more profit and more value to an organization than what we're kind of targeting? And you can see some of us are looking at transaction, business development. We're kind of all over um, and even the operating role, kind of like what James is doing, you know, but where's uh, where do we fit best um, to bring that immediate return on uh, investment when they invest in us? It's one of those things, Mike, where uh, you guys have all the skills required to do what you guys, uh, what needs to happen, but it's about experience. 
And so they're going to look at you and say, okay, wait a minute. You know, Mike is, is very experienced in uh, doing something different. He has all the skill sets. Um, you need to convey that you're willing to kind of really kind of start from scratch because they're looking at you and say, okay, I can hire a, you know, a 25 year old, 27 year old, 20, 30 year old MBA to hustle and doesn't have kids, doesn't have a wife, doesn't have uh, really any expenses and can run hard for me and, and do that sort of thing. So I think that, you know, as you position yourselves uh, with, with these groups, it's really, uh, you know, kind of asking for that chance and that you're willing to, you, you know, you realize you're coming in where you're coming in and that you're willing to kind of grow from there and kind of show them, you know, your, your, what you're capable of. I mean, you know, what we do, Mike, and, and, and really everybody, it's a commodity. It really is. Just like when you come in, uh, you know, to the base level of the military, it's how do you set yourself apart? I mean, you guys went from soldier to seal, right? And so how do you go from kind of like uh, an entry level person uh, into a com selling a commodity like money and become that seal? And you, you've kind of figured that out. I don't honestly think it's that much different. Uh, I, um, I had asked earlier about your security clearance because Every private equity fund obviously tries to position themselves differently. I think we're unique mainly because of the market that we serve. Uh, but also, uh, there's a lot of private equity funds out there that are trying to do business for the government. They're trying to do business with the military. Uh, they're trying to get contracts for the military. And you guys understand that world. It's very different um, than the world that, that we come from. And, and that's a unique uh, experience and advantage that you have that you can bring to to those private equity funds, and on top of that, you're somebody that has shown leadership, you know, has shown resilience, has shown stamina, has shown. I think everybody would completely respect uh, that you have a high level of accomplishment in a different world. It's like, how do you move back in the other direction? the immediate first step to me is either you're willing to say, Hey, look, I'm willing to kind of, uh, even though I'm not experienced, I have the skill sets you need, or I'm going to target my energies towards people that are doing business with the government or with the military. So or, Jeff, does that practically mean, for example, with the DOD, you know, a lot of VC does stuff with DOD. You guys get that way better than, than any of us do. So, so Jeff, does that practically mean come up with like, you know, AE industrial XYZ private equity firms that have aerospace and defense that they look at and say, hey, here's my background. I have TS clearance. And if you're doing diligence on a deal, I'll be a contractor at 5K a month, 10K a month to do this project with you. Um, so something of that, like what are some more how can we get something more concrete and practical to what you're saying as either doing on like a 1099 basis and maybe even them going to in industrial focused private equity firms, in addition to specifically aerospace and defense and saying, here's how I am. Here's what I do. Call me on a DD. Here's my hourly rate on a project. Um, or like, how should they, what's some more practical things? And my second question, maybe for Mike is and for the group is should he be expanding the scope of his search as opposed to just florida and maybe saying i will be based in florida east coast but i can work for an east coast firm like should he be expanding his search and how can he kind of position himself to do that because we've gotten very targeted in the florida search and, and I, I started expanding it, Jordan, after speaking to the various firms out there. There's a limited number. So my it's it's expanding outside of Florida. It's also expanding into um, the boutique investment banking world just based off of, you know, trying to get my foot in the door with similar skill sets. So it, it's, it's now time. And as uh, the search continues and if I still get no bites, um, it, the ring will continue to expand, but it, it's not, I'm not taking a, 
like just a, a scattershot approach. I think targeted is a more surgical approach is normally better. Um, at least in my case, that's how I feel. Hey, so Jeff, I, 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 this is not not for me. I was gonna I was gonna ask Mark to chime in because he's nodding. I love when people agree with me, and uh, he was a mentor of mine. So I'm interested in what he has to say. Mark, so can I, you just tell I, everyone what you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, probably. so I work uh, I work for uh, Monroe Capital, specifically in the uh, Monroe Credit Advisors Group. Our role in this world is to uh, actually work with. Uh, private equity and other related owners. It could be a privately owned business, family or other uh, form of ownership. It could be an ESOP, but um, we work with companies that are looking to raise uh, debt capital, primarily private debt capital that typically from a risk standpoint would go uh, beyond their local bank relationship. And those folks um, either don't have access to the depth of the, uh, the market that we can um, uh, trade in or, um, maybe just don't have the time or bandwidth to be um, out searching uh, for that debt capital. And so that's the value add that we come in. We, we're, we, we provide a lot of advice and uh, we'll carry a company and their story to the marketplace. Um, to your point, Mike, we'll actually put together a sim, uh, soup to nuts, explaining what the business is, talking about what the highlights of the company are, um, talking about all, the, about all the positives. And, you know, because we have sort of a lender's mindset, we'll think about what, uh, some of the potential risks that some of these lenders might uh, encounter. And then to the Jeff, Jeff's point, we're, we're down the, the field already in terms of the process, anticipating what those uh, issues or risks might be that folks would anticipate and already have run through and uh, sort of game theory uh, through what all those mitigants might look like. So we're, we're prepared and we're ready to go. We help management teams and their ownership uh, prepare to go to market. And then uh, we take them through our database of hundreds of different lenders uh, and through a market clearing process, help them not only secure the debt, but help them also optimize the, the cost and the structure of that debt to, uh, to get a better outcome than they can get on their own. But um, not for the commercial, uh, back to, to the point that I was gonna go to and Jeff was going there. Um, <clears throat> I've covered uh, hundreds of private equity firms in my career. Um, I covered for almost 15 years, the New York private equity community. Um, and to the point, uh, there are firms in, in New York um, that specialize in defense-related equity investing. Um, there's, um, there's firms that that's all they do. And, and to Jeff's point, you know, I was, here I was, you know, this VP at a, at a non-bank finance company, pick up a SIM. I'm looking at a company um, that's in the... Um, sort of the IT uh, consulting space, but specializes within government uh, IT consulting. And they're talking about all the, uh, the clearance levels and, and, and the different entanglement that they have with different departments within the DOD and the different uh, RFPs that come down from the DOD budget and how all that works and how those dollars are allocated. And my head is swimming. I have, I'm not from that world. I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but to Jeff's point, you know, that's a world that your feet are firmly planted on the ground. You guys understand that stuff at a ground level. And I think you can bring a tremendous amount of, uh, of uh, expertise and knowledge um, to, to firms that are looking to invest in that space. Um, I mean, I think back to, you know, a deal that um, I ended up uh, participating in the financing. Um, it was from a firm um, in Arlington, uh, Virginia. It was in Arlington, Virginia or somewhere in, Vir in the Virginias. Um, they, uh, they bought a company um, that specialized in um, uh, specialty uh, electrical wire harnesses. And a lot of their business was with um, defense, uh, with the Department of Defense. And specifically, I remember, if you guys know what JDAM systems are, um, JDAM bombing systems, which are basically taking an old dummy gravity bomb and turning it into a smart bomb uh, by being, you know, putting these uh, 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 flaps on the bomb to be able to direct and precise, precision, almost becomes a precision guided bomb. Um, they were wiring these harnesses and there were these, li like literally all these ladies with these giant wire harnesses, like wiring you know, and 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 and, uh, and and winding wire through these uh, through these jigs and <clears throat> making these systems, and it was just like wow. And 
what it, what, it was an incredibly uh, 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 successful uh, deal for Heron Equity Partners. And we, we did the financing uh, for them. But they had people at the company that had, you know, direct contact within DOD, uh, specific uh, 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 clearances within the DOD. Um, and, um, you know, these private equity firms are very interested in that world um, and trying to find ways to. So what is this? How return. can we get practical with this? Like, what can these guys do? to specifically get into either the investment bank, private equity firm, the private credit firm, whatever is like, what is a specific way that they can get into this? So I was thinking about that when you brought that up, Jordan, Jeff, I'm totally like Trump. Yeah, what the hell are you doing? You just hijacked it, well done. (laughs) I'm not not hijacked, but literally like, you know, and again, I don't know each of your individual backgrounds and I don't know, you know, your, your levels of clearance and things of that sort, but to put yourself out, as Jordan said, as um, uh, subject matter experts, and, and LinkedIn is really powerful, you know, right in that regard. And to, like you said, uh, Jordan, to to almost do ten ninety nine kind of contract basis work, you could work for non bank finance companies that are looking to pr- provide debt to situations where there are government related DOD uh, type businesses. You could do it with within the mezzanine. Uh, finance group, which is where Jeff used to be at, you know, with Prudential Capital and, and and groups like that. There's all kinds of groups that, again, are really good at, you know, running spreadsheets and really good at thinking about risks, et cetera. But we don't have the insight. We don't have the direct level, ground level experience um, that you guys have. And they would gladly pay on a consulting basis, an hourly uh, type assignment um, to tap into your knowledge and expertise. And, and maybe like a strategy is create your list of boutique investment banks, like an Outcome Capital, Stiefel's A&D Group, Black Arch, et cetera, and the private equity firms that invest in A&D. Create your list of top 10 firms for each. And then Mike, Matt, et cetera, you reach out to the partners on LinkedIn. You say, hey, I'm transitioning out of the military. Can I do a lunch and learn about leadership to your teams over Zoom for free, 30 to 60 minutes? And I talk about three things, my experience in, lead- in combat, leadership, and you guys can bring it in your portfolio. Then it's, oh, Mike's an interesting guy. He did that for 30 minutes. Oh, by the way, hey, if you have anything in your portfolio when you're doing diligence on a deal, here are things that I could talk, here are things I could help with. So it's getting in the door with the lunch and learn, which is no risk to either person. Um, we actually already did that at a private equity firm in Indianapolis. We had two guys do it. And, and then that led to them getting three more informational interviews uh, there at the firm. Um, so it's kind of a tried and true way to get in, at least get your foot in door to who you are and what you do. Yeah, um, Jeff, what are your thoughts on this? I guarantee your guys' stories are better than my stories. So, uh, you know, people would be really interested in whatever you guys can share about your experiences in leadership. And, and um, you know, a lot of what you guys already know kind of intuitively, uh, given what you've done with your careers to this point, is obviously way more than, than we've done around being resilient and resourceful and leaders and stamina and I think that uh, it would be fascinating, you know, to Jordan's point about, you know, just call somebody up and do a lunch and learn and, and, um, and, and, and let them get to know you. I mean, what I tell a lot of people about the private equity industry is it's still very much a mom and pop industry in the sense that a very large private equity fund still only has 20 employees. You have a billion dollars under management and you've got 20 people. Uh, depending on the strategy. And so you're talking to a group that doesn't go to campus and recruit MBAs or undergrads every year. Uh, and so it's literally an element of getting to know the people in the group, let them get to know you, to know that you're normal and that you have all these uh, attributes that you need to be successful you know, in this industry and, and, and kind of go from there. That's how I did it. And that's why I recommend it at Prudential. I wasn't a private equity person, but I worked alongside them funding their deals. And they could see how I worked and what I did and how I could add value. And of course, I was doing everything I could to show them that I could be, uh, 
you know, impactful, um, uh, you know, to what they were doing. And so the same strategy goes, you know, for you guys, uh, your, your clear immediate advantage outside of your attributes and leadership skills is your access to understanding what's going on in, in the government and military specifically. So before we switch over to Matt, Mike, for you, like, what is, do you have a specific request out of Jeff and Mark in terms of, you know, hey, I'm looking for investment banks in these three states that focus on this, that can leverage their network. You know, we had that specific request of Florida, private equity, BD. Then we know where to go. I would say, so really the, the only request I would have is if you, you guys have um, a pretty established network and you know the players all over the place. So if you know somebody that's kind of looking, and even if it's an 80% solution in a, the related field where I'm going to learn, I'm going to gain experience, I'm going to be part of a good team and culture, and I could provide value to that, just make that connection. Um, so then I could at least take it to the next level and see if I could sell um, my abilities and then see if there's opportunity there for the job. And that's, that's really all, all that's needed, even if it's outside of kind of the parameters that were discussed. Anything that you guys feel is a value, being that you know the industry far better than I do and what I'm targeting. Um, yeah. Expanding one's network is never going to hurt. Yeah, of course. And uh, Jordan, if if you could, uh, you know, share contact information to the yep. extent people are comfortable with that, you know, we can, you know, both Mark and myself have extensive networks and uh, you know, we're happy to, and I'm sure the people that we know would be happy to talk to uh, and, and, and try to find opportunities for, you know, uh, the group on, on, on the line here. Awesome. So Matt, let's go to your, uh, your situation. Just can you rehash kind of where you're at and maybe even in light of this conversation, you know, what your particular requests are and how, you know, we could be helpful with kind of your next step. Sure. I'll, I'll go just a tad deeper than what I opened with, because this is very helpful adding a lot of context to my own, um, my own transition. Uh, I've talked to a number of different private equity people because that that's always been an interest, uh, mainly because I think of it in three buckets, right? Buy, build, and lead. And I feel like I've, you know, a, a pretty, you know, on a scale of one to 10, the lead is pretty strong. The build is actually, I think, reasonably strong for me. It's, uh, it's, it's somewhere between a five and a 0.5. We'll say Jeff to your, it's not, it's not a 0.5, but it's not a five, but I think there's a lot of experience there from some other entrepreneurial things I've done and uh, military combined with uh, private sector experience. But the buy side is like a zero, right? That's what I don't understand. There's no IB background or anything like that in terms of investment banking and how you make a qualified decisions on which companies you want to buy and acquire. Um, so that's something just, that's how I look at private equity quite simply. And I've always been attracted uh, to that. Uh, but in, in the whole, the exploration of the industry, what I really figured out, I think that at least for me, that seemed like the right path. Cause I'm uh, well, I don't know if I'm as old as Mike, but I, I, I didn't retire. I, I don't have that. I didn't have that much military experience, but I didn't come out at, at 30, right? Like some of the, uh, the young guys that went straight into MBA and they could follow the sort of the tried and true path into private equity. So that, that, was, that was not my path. Have an MBA, but didn't, didn't leave the military right after to, to do that, obviously. Um, and so what I've sort of, uh, sort of where I've settled is, you know, I've got to kind of pursue my own why professionally, if you will, uh, while at the same time, um, looking at that long-term objective and working backwards. And so in talking to the private equity folks in my network, um, a couple things I've discovered to go in right now for me uh, to into that field, it'd have to be a unique situation where there's the right fit. And I'm talking full-time role, the right fit. And uh, in terms of the, the company is growing, needs someone like me, my industries, my skills, so forth. Uh, and I think that it would have to really be an open door because talk to a number of people, but they're say in healthcare, right? Very specialized. Uh, or uh, they're in, they're, they're buying real estate and, and uh, you know, vacation type properties and so forth. So not to say those are not things I couldn't learn, but I don't have the five to 10 years of kind of experience. Uh, and so there's not that, that, that 
up that situation where, you know, preparation and opportunity just kind of meet naturally. But their advice has been very good because in talking to them and getting and and learning about the industry more, that's sort of where I mapped out my the path that I think I need to be on right now to be successful uh, and grow professionally. And then we'll see if that opens. And so where I found that 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 you know has led me is to really pursue growing in leadership in companies right now, right? If I'm in a place where I have a company that's trying to grow, you know, about 350 million in revenue, they want to go to 700 million uh, in the next five to seven years and double that. And they're really looking to, uh, to do things differently, successful at doing two core lines of business uh, for, for 25 years. But they realize to take the next step, they've got to go beyond what they've done in terms of traditional core lines of business, or they have to have sort of new products to sell to existing customers, sort of one of the two. Uh, And they don't really know how to do that. Um, And they've admitted that. And so they're taking some steps to, to, to implement a pretty aggressive growth strategy. And that's where sort of my conversations with the CFO uh, and the the VP of business development and so forth have really led to, wow, we think we really want to put you in a, in a position uh, that we're creating to really lead, help lead some of the strategic long-term growth of the company, right? Sort of be out front uh, and, and they call it more the, the director of strategy and capture for new business. Um, and because the way I think about strategy aligns with the company's vision for their own growth uh, and the opportunities that they're seeking, right, to maybe buy or acquire a company uh, or to team with other companies for more successful relationships, those happen to be some of the relationships I have or, or sort of the way I work naturally. And so uh, I use my own company's example because, great, I, it's, it, it's wonderful. I could be there for, you know, a number of years uh, growing and, and leading, um, or I could be doing the same thing in another company at some point if that opportunity opened up uh, sooner. But I use it as an example to say that I think the best step for me is to try to, uh, again, learn more about the build part of a company and in learning the build part. And as we grow, maybe we even get into something where I learn a little bit from that side on how to how to buy, at least within a company, not from the private equity side, but within a company and, and grow in responsibility. And then if, for me, it seems like that, that that's where at some point, um, perhaps there would be an opening to move into private equity because someone could say, wow, you, you help grow that company by doing the types of things we need someone uh, to do uh, let, let's work together. And uh, one other point, and I'll, I'll be quiet and let you comment, but that, that's sort of the path I've pursued. I have also taken the advice you said and, um, and could always be doing this more, but it's, it's always a matter of time to tr- really try to reach out and try to work in an entrepreneurial way uh, where I have no other conflict of interest to help with another company's strategy, strategy or business development and, and so forth, uh, whether they're in sort of the startup phase or they have a specific project or, or a deal they're working on. And that, yeah. that's been fun. Uh, and it's even brought me, for example, one, one quick story. I mean, I got to introduce- Hold on, stop. Jeff had his hand sorry. up. So I don't know if he had a question. Uh, yeah, sorry. I was, I was, sorry, I was screwing around with. Uh, I, I saw that the hand was. I'm, I'm still learning Zoom, even though I've been working <laughs> for a year. I'm still trying to figure out how to do a background and all that. Sort you just of playing stuff. with emojis on uh, there? It's fine. Playing with it. Uh, but but Matt, you said something really that kind of struck me as interesting. You threw out like seven hundred million dollar company, and then later on, you're talking about entrepreneurial. I I think you've got to figure out where you want to be and where you think you can add a lot of value. Uh, You you know, what was a very appealing to me is more the entrepreneurial side. And and I don't mean VC. I'm not any good at that. Uh, I'm very good, I think, at getting really engaged and working shoulder to shoulder with management teams and showing them the right things to do running a company or being involved with a company that's $700 million in revenue, it's a different ballgame. It's you're bringing in consultants. It's very strategic. You're not rolling your sleeve up your sleeves and you got to decide where you think you're best. Um, I am not at my best uh, and I'm not frankly satisfied 
um, sitting at a board meeting and people making a recommendation, because frankly, they're probably way smarter than me. I need to go see it for myself. I need to be engaged. I like solving fundamental issues, foundational issues, and that interpersonal engaging with somebody, getting them to know them as a person and guiding them along, you know, the path that they want to go. Um, I'm less interested and less comfortable and I think less impactful dealing with a much larger business at a hundred thousand foot perspective and not really knowing what's going on in, in the guts of a business. So I'm not you, uh, but just like Mark and I were saying earlier, understanding or targeting uh, investors that may have a focus on military or focus on government. I think it's also a size thing. Understand where you think you'd be happiest, where you think you'd be the most impactful and, and focus on that. I, I'm not qualified might, to run a $7 million be. business, but I'm qualified to run a $50 million business. To your point, Jeff, it might not be just military, right? I mean, I think it's really, I think that Matt, to the, I think to, to piggyback off of Jeff, it's, it's about, a, it's a little bit of an exercise in introspection and saying to yourself, what am I really good at? What do I really, I'm sitting here now, I'm, I'm Matt and I'm, you know, XYZ years old. I've got XY, LMNOP worth of experience. What have I done? Where have I been impactful? What have I really done well? And now how do I scale that? How do I leverage that? And how do I put myself in an environment where it becomes almost like a, like a flywheel, right? Where I'm sitting in a situation where I'm just continuously exposed to it and I'm continuously being able to exercise that expertise and, um, and asking yourself to, to Jeff's point, like, where do you really want to be? And how do you put yourself in a position to be successful, bringing what you bring to the table? So, so again, what, just jumping on what Mark is saying, and I didn't, I was going too slow on my biography. Um, we ultimately got to the point where we have a thing called the five fundamentals, which is a methodology that we use. And it's nothing cutting edge or different or unique. It's the basic building blocks that all the larger companies do and just kind of assume that everybody else does. Small companies don't do it. And, and so what I started to focus in on is, okay, I've got these five fundamentals. I do that really well. And I'm looking for those situations where I can apply the five fundamentals over and over and over again. So I do this well. We have a lot of resources and I got a great team that does that well. And that's what I'm looking for. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, and again, it took me 15 years to get to that point. So, you know, uh, don't be hard on yourself. It takes time to figure that out, but that's ultimately where we got to over several funds and a lot of deals. Jeff, um, my, um, I guess for, for Mike in particular, I'd like to get a little bit more maybe goal-oriented with this fireside chat. So, for example, like, can we come up with a goal for him, like 15 introductions over the next month or something more tangible for us all to be able to execute on, on that? Just because I want to make sure that we have something to kind of go after as opposed to it's ethereal. It sounds yeah, good on Jordan, this. What I was going to say is, look, I, I, I take um... – <laughs> I, I, I take helping people very seriously. Um, and and uh, so I'm, I'm happy to connect with Mike and Matt and Chris and Adam directly and trying to help them make connections into to my network. I said before that I know a number of private equity funds in, um, in Florida. Uh, I don't know if they need a BD person or what their their needs are, but I can certainly help make introductions and and network. And Matt, you know, the more I know about what you're looking for and what you want to do, you know, the more more helpful I can be. You know, I keep in touch with Mark. Uh, we didn't and we haven't worked together for like 25 years, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's what my network is like. I keep in touch with a lot of people. And that's what I enjoy doing. That's what my value add really is at Evolution is just trying to draw in people I haven't talked to in 20 years to help us with a current investment. 
So I'm happy to share awesome. any and all that stuff with awesome. you guys because I appreciate what you guys have done. Awesome. And I think, frankly, you guys have a lot to offer. I wouldn't do it if I, you know, if I really thought it was a dead end. I don't think that at all. I think you have a, a lot to offer. I appreciate it. And I, I definitely think that the next uh, step, if we are going to, you know, try to quantify, um, you know, like where we're going with this is really just a phone call. Um, so then we could have more of a conversation and figure out a little bit more about each other's story and to see where the plug is. So I, I sent both you uh, and Mark um, LinkedIn requests. Um, and I, that's always kind of the best way to start for me is just to have a, a 30 minute to hour long one-on-one -on -one phone call and just have a conversation to really understand um, the other person. Yeah, I, I guarantee I can get you in touch with a handful of people. Uh, and I'm sure Mark can too, and we'd be happy to do it. So awesome. um, well, my, um, my, I guess my final question, Jeff, for you is like, what's your favorite story of your hustle? <laughs> I'm pretty sure you got a lot of those. No, I that, do, but it's funny because I, I guess, and again, I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the first thing that came to my mind was that early in my career, everybody that hired me knew who I was and what I was before I did. Um, you know, I just had to give to Gab an ability to seamlessly go from different cultures and different people and different geographies. Uh, men, women, you know, uh, different uh, ethnic classes. It just didn't, it he, never. He was the oldest 22 year old I ever met. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so my point was, was they put me in position to be successful before I knew what I was. And uh, I really appreciate that looking back on it, um, that, that, uh, to me, that that was really, really important to have mentors and people uh, that are looking out for you, Mark, you know, looked out for me and we continue to stay in touch and I continue to learn a lot uh, from him uh, and, and don't ever burn a bridge, stay in touch with people and uh, and continue to feed that relationship and it will uh, it will give back at some point. Awesome. Well, guys, this is really, really helpful. Um, you know, Jeff, uh, hearing your story is, I think, you know, after doing not just 50 episodes on investors and operators, but also the 51 vet stuff and all the stuff for the past four years and doing this, I think one of the recurring themes is just like the people who have quote unquote made it when they start it, they all experience some flavor of, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. I was completely unqualified. Like it's a, it's a long list of people who have that story. And it goes back to like what Dan Carlin, the famous podcaster now says, he's like, you know, he's never, he's never afraid to do something he's entirely unqualified for something to that extent. And it's just, it was inspiring to hear that. And I think, um, I really appreciate you sharing your story, Mark, for you joining and kind of, you know, doing this together. Cause I think that it does take a advisory board. It takes a tribe to, you know, work through people transitioning to the next step. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Yeah, Jordan, one last comment. I mean, I just, as I have learned about your backgrounds and just knowing uh, from a great distance what what you all did, uh, you, you guys are mavericks just like we are in terms of starting something and doing something uh, that you weren't necessarily thought you were ready for to do what you guys have done. It, it just takes that extra gear and you guys have it. Um, and, and you ought to be feel very confident that you can add value in any of the situations, uh, that, that you go into, uh, because you have that extra, you know, DNA and, and attitude to, to make something out of nothing, which is what I did. <laughs>